Welcome to episode 19 of Trivial Arguments. As always, we'll do some trivia and we'll probably get into some arguments. Matt's here for number nine uh, and we'll probably not be caught this year. Um, I think we'll just simply run out of days and <laughs> there you have it. Uh, also, somehow it's December. Uh, this December, like Taylor Swift, we're seeing red. That isn't Santa Claus coming down the chimney. It's the Los Bulls and they're taking Chicago back, baby. Without further ado, Matt, what them bulls up to? Love it. Love it. What an intro. You're getting better at these. What is this, episode 20? It's like we, we kind of had a sweet spot, a groove. You Just to speak no and not get caught. What, what ideas I wrote down and then scrapped to get to, to what I hey, said. Hey, don't, don't pull back the curtain. Don't let them know that that's written down in the beginning. That, that's always off the cuff. What are you talking about? Uh, yes, of course. But the Bulls, man. The bulls. the bulls up to? The Bulls are fun, man. Tell me you don't watch a Bulls game and be like, this team is legitimately fun to watch. Dare we say the Bulls are back? Um, I unfortunately am one of those terrible Bulls fans that just waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is the total opposite. I'm one of those terrible Bulls fans that think the bulls never left <laughs> i i was able to take positives from the jim boylan era probably after every game and that's not a healthy thing it's i'm not it's i'm not proud of it i'm not i'm probably not better off for it so you just like walking in the corner like this team does have heart jim <laughs> i like their You're spirit right, that the wind like <laughs> i really like the way the guys fought tonight like our spirit there's, I saw something on Instagram where it was like the starting lineup one game was like Ryan Archie uh Oh, what was that other guy's name? The, the try-hard guy. Oh, I can't even remember. Harrison? No. What was his name? Shoot, this is terrible. I had it in my head and I just lost it as I started talking. But the, the starting lineup was like these, these absolute no-name people. And it's like we literally had to suffer through this. The, the, the scrubs. <laughs> But yeah, so the Bulls are back, yes. But I again, that's only because they never leave my heart. And I always can somehow make it seem like they're going to be good. But I obviously, it's a little tongue-in-cheek when I do it most of the time. And I'm pulling. And I, like, realize that we're still terrible. But this this is, like, legit contender. Like, it's it's more than that. It's, like, legit contender now. And so, yeah, are the Bulls back? They're absolutely back. And I, I look forward to every game. I never want to miss a game. And even with like all these people out, and that's obviously a little scary. I'm, I don't know. I still, I'm still looking forward to every game. And I don't think they're going to lose. I think they're, I, 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 there's not a game where they go into, even like the games we match up poorly. There's not a game I go into thinking we don't have a shot, which is that's, that's new. That's new. Even as diehard of a bull fan as I am in like, not like diehard. I'm talking about like the unhealthy version where I'm like, oh yeah, the Bulls are great all the time. <laughs> like, it's legitimate this year. Well, it's looking at like the like betting lines, and it's like, are we not the underdogs in this game? <laughs> uh, that's the call to Vegas. We're not the underdogs. <laughs> Unfortunately, I stopped betting the Bulls a while back because of the Jim Boylan era and the and the late um, whoever the coach was before. Jeez, my brain's not working right now. Freddie Hoiberg. Yeah, good old Freddie Hoiberg. Yeah, the Hoiberg experiment into the Jim Boylan experiment. Oh man, that just actually Our like story, it makes me. I think it actually makes me dry heave, legitimately. <laughs> Those are second in the East, first in the uh, Central. They have a lead over the Bucks. It's one game, but <laughs> super. Still, exciting. I mean, that's in it's not mind. like the, I. I don't know. I always. I'm also not not the person that like ever. Like I, met regular season matters in a way. Obviously, the playoffs matter more. So the teams that like rest their players for the playoffs, I get that. I'm not faulting that style of basketball. But there's, the, especially when you're a team like this that was just put together, you can get a lot out of playing in the regular season and learning how to play together and picking up on things 
And the thing is with the Bulls being good now and playing as tough of defense as they do, they like I think I mentioned this last time I was talking, we were talking about the Bulls, is they get everybody's best shot now. And you're starting to see that a little bit more. People are playing hard for the Bulls. And there's been so many games that have felt like kind of like a playoff atmosphere. Every time they play the Knicks, it's felt like a playoff atmosphere. Same thing when they were in Brooklyn. And it was like these games coming down to the wire kind of have that playoff feel to it. And that doesn't, that hasn't been happening for the Bulls in a long while, but it's going to, I think we're going to get used to that. And I think that atmosphere is only going to help the Bulls when it comes time for the actual playoffs, because if we're playing that way, the whole regular season, and there's these other teams that are just going through the motions and everybody thinks that they can flip the switch when they're really good. But I think there's been plenty of time proven the opposite. It's time to flip the switch and, you go skidding into the playoffs. It doesn't always happen that way. And I, I don't think that's going to, I don't think the bulls are built in a way that I'm even worried about that a little bit. I know that we're getting the best shot. Now do do all the shots fall every night? No, we've seen that when we've like put up like a real shitty performance against the Pacers a few weeks ago. And like it happens and it's, but it, it feels like effort is very, very much not the issue and won't be the issue. Whereas some teams that that is the case. Yeah. Um, I think they're without DeRozan for the next three or four games at minimum. The next three games at Cleveland, at Miami, and then home against Detroit. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, at least two out of those three games should be like, they're not must wins, but they're expected wins. So I'd be very surprised if out of this next three game set, like if they only win one of them, Miami's going to be the toughest one without DeRozan. But I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of that. The, the thing that's a surprise me, let me rephrase that. The thing that surprises me with this bulls that I was not expecting is the depth that is actually there. To play a game versus the Nuggets, and I know the Nuggets are, I think they're close to a 500 team, but, and absolutely destroy them without Caruso, without uh, DeRozan, without Kobe White, without Patrick Williams. Am I missing one? Was there one more? Was it just those four? I think it's those four. But obviously, those are all contributors, or at least were planned to be contributors. I know it's hard to say. Patrick Williams is going to be a contributor. We're planning on him being a big contributor and same thing with Kobe white, but those are all major contributors and they're obviously weren't there. And to to come out with the effort that they did, I it's the, it's the depth that has been kind of a surprising thing to me because, Oh, Javante green is the other one that we were missing. I knew there was one more. So without, so it seems like the, the style that we're playing is not reliant on the star players, which is where I think a lot of NBA teams struggle. Now, offensively, we move the ball really well. We have high assist numbers. And we're decent in Peyton points without having like a super dominant, you know, like person that it's, you know, there's typically, if you have, if you're very dominant in the paint, it's typically there's like a big guy, like an Embiid or like a Jokic or like those kind of people. And we have Vooch, who is a very capable offensive player, but he's more of a pick-and-pop guy, and he, he does the low-post work, and it, it doesn't really fit the Bulls' offensive plan for it to throw the ball and, like, slow down the half-court offense. That's why it doesn't happen as much. But he obviously has that skill. But the way, the style that we play, it's not reliant on the star players. Now, DeRozan and Levine doing their thing is why the Bulls are as successful as they are, but it's not it's, it's not a one-on-one offense. It's not like the Oklahoma City Thunder when it was Durant and Westbrook and it was just like, okay, this one's Durant's turn. Now it's Westbrook's turn. And it was just one-on-one. It's not that at all in the fourth quarter. When you need a bucket, you have two go-to guys and they both get the job done. DeRozan's fourth quarter scoring is like first in the league and is he's absolutely dominating. And yeah, that obviously helps, but it's, I, I think it's a, it's a system now. There's actually a system in place, which is, it's nice to see. So that it's the depth that's really, I think is surprising. And, makes me feel like there's a 
the chances of us actually making somewhat of a playoff run, whatever that consists of, is significantly higher. And what would you be either happy with or what would you consider a success? Um, they haven't been to the playoffs in a while. If they make the playoffs this year in our first round knockouts, are you content with that because like that's the sign of you know something better? Or are you thinking like that's not good enough? Like what are your expectations, I guess, at the beginning of the season, ESPN had them in like the low twenties and like ranking. And obviously now they're, you know, top six, top five, something like that. So um, like, what were your expectations as far as like, if they make the playoffs, are you like, okay, like I'm content with that, or that's what I thought they would do. And now anything else is like gravy or. So I am a person that I, I get frustrated by these analysts and people who talk sports who after your team loses and there was low expectations to start and that team exceeded expectations. A perfect example is the White Sox, not last year, two years ago, made the playoffs. They were as like a year early. Same thing with the, the Cubs when they in their 15 run, right? It's like you're a yep. year early and, and everybody's like, oh. the Cardinals. I was like, ooh. Anything else that happens, I was like, this is fantastic. Right, but then for me, then when the expectations are low in the beginning of the year and then the team exceeds expectations, for me personally, that means the expectations have to shift with the expectation shifting. I know that was a lot of words and it kind of made sense, but yeah. like, as soon as your team exceeds expectations, it's not just okay to back into the playoffs as the eighth or seventh or eighth seed. It's not okay to do the play-in game. You know, it's the expectations are shifted for a reason. And it's not and it's it's easy. And it's like sometimes I guess feels good about like when you, it sucks when your team loses. But like to take solace in the fact that, oh, well, they weren't even supposed to be here this year. I don't subscribe to that. And a lot of people do. So for me in the beginning of the year, it was. Yeah, I would like to have seen the Bulls get, you know, I feel like they had potential to be around the five seeds, five, six seed. And then like four was like best case scenarios, how it felt in the beginning of the year. And then I would have been disappointed with like a seven or an eight seed having to do the play in game. So now I think the bulls have a legitimate shot at getting a top four seed, which would give us home court. And that's what I, that's my expectation. So my expectation is to have home court. My expectation is to blow out one of these lower teams in the first round blowout. It doesn't need to be a blowout, but I think, and then it's like a second round matchup. And do I think this team can compete for an Eastern conference title? I do. What are the I um, think, playoffs? Is, I, it, is it five or seven? Does it change? Like it's best out of five, and then it goes to like is it five five seven? Uh, I believe they're all seven. All Am seven. I wrong on that? There's been a lot of changes in the like with the like the, I yeah. don't know if it's changed. I haven't looked it up in a while, but I know I know what did what used to change, and I don't know if they changed this either. Is in the finals instead of going two two one one one, it went two three two which was like a big deal. And that was in place from like years and years and years ago when they like traveled, like travel was like challenging and it was an East coast team playing a West coast team. So it's like, it's easier just to have three games in the middle, but that gives an advantage to the team that technically doesn't have home floor advantage. Yeah. So I think the first round five games that it's seven all the way through the first rounds, five, I don't yeah. remember that. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's changed. I, you know, yeah. it, it, as sad as it is, the Bulls haven't been in the playoffs in so long. Yeah, I generally don't remember. <laughs> generally don't remember. And that's bad. And that's very unlikely, but it means I've just like shut off my brain because I've been so sad the Bulls aren't in. Yeah. Obviously, five games scares me more, but Bulls best out of seven. I don't know if I'd just flat out be like, yeah, Bulls can't beat anybody in seven. I think the Bulls could definitely beat. Anybody in the East in seven? I find it interesting. I'd like you to unpack this a little bit with me. Why is five scare you more than seven for this Bulls team specifically? Because I I generally kind of feel the opposite. 
seven scares you more than five, you think that they can win three before they win four? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I want to hear your argument before I give mine. Go ahead. Um, well, I guess it strictly depends on what seed they are. Because if first round, well, the first round out of five. Let's say they home home. So let's say they have home court. They have home court. They're the three seed. And they have home court. Okay. And three's playing six. Is that still a coast? There's ten teams now, right? Well, the ten the ten becomes seven and eight, so it doesn't. Okay. It's yeah, still, so it's still like the main playoffs is, yeah. One okay. plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six. Yeah. Okay. Let me, uh, let me see here. You want to know who they, are you looking for who it would be right now? Yeah. Why? It's, there's, we have a lot of season left. Just play the game. Just play the game. Play the game. Why five? You're getting too specific. Am I talking you out of it already? No. I mean, I, you saying that five scares you more, that also makes sense to me. But no, I thought five, oh, seven scares you more, sorry. Five scares me because I think if this team isn't healthy, you know, they could skate by into, um, you know, the playoffs, how they're built now. But if not healthy out of five games, that to me is, that's two less chances to, like, make it. So. So that to me, okay, I don't, I understand the concept of it. It's like this Bulls team is, we say they can probably beat anybody and it's probably also they could be beat by anybody, which would in theory make it more scary having less chances in a five game series. For me, what I feel about this Bulls, and even though we are, like I was just talking about fairly deep, the depth from the, from this team is not necessarily star depth if that makes sense yeah it's it's system guys who can come in and play their role in a system and playoff that doesn't always work the same way if that makes sense yeah so my thoughts on that are for the seven game series if a team figures out a way to stop DeRozan and Levine it's going to be tough sledding for the Bulls to actually offensively put together a game that a, it's a game plan, a successful game plan that doesn't include Levine and DeRozan doing their thing is it doesn't feel like the Bulls will have a great chance to win, even though we do play great, great system, but it does. This is a stars league. It comes down to having stars and those are our stars. I don't think the Bulls can win a game when Vucevic is the featured option. Sorry, I don't think we could win a series. We could win a game when he was a featured option, sure. But if in the series, so basically what I'm saying, if a good coach has a longer amount of time to figure out how to beat these Bulls, I think that gives us less of a chance because I think there are holes in our scoring. We can even look at bench scoring, and the Bulls are near the bottom of the league in bench scoring, and that's partly the reason what I'm talking about. When you watch the first half of Nick's Bulls, the first game we played and they were doubling DeRozan and Levine every time they got the ball and we couldn't figure it out. And even right now you watch a bulls game. Every team has gone to zone against the bulls because we struggle against the zone. They don't stay the whole game because we're a good enough three point shooting team where we can shoot ourselves out of the zone, but everybody switches to a zone. I think there's enough holes in this team offensively where a good coach, like it would scare the heck out of me to go up against Tom Thibodeau in the playoffs, even though the bulls are a better team than the Knicks. And I, not to say that Billy Donovan's not a great coach. I just think defensively a good defensive coach could really do some damage in a seven game series. I think the bulls are going to have success early in series. And I think they're going to struggle late. And I think the late wins that we will get are going to be Levine and DeRozan just doing crazy Levine and DeRozan things. Cause that's what it is. That's what playoff basketball is. You play the same team every night and you can't do the same thing two times in a row because they're going to know how to stop it. You're going to do this and then they're not going to let you do that the next game. And that's what, that's why the best teams win in the NBA. And it's not like a league like the NFL or the MLB or the hot team or even the NHL, like the hot team can win. That doesn't happen in the NBA. Has it happened? Of course, a, a, a lesser team has won a series 
But generally the best team wins or the best two teams are there. It's because it's a star driven league and those stars have to make plays and you have to be a well-rounded basketball team. I think that we can, I think we can have success and I think we match up really well against some of the teams in the East, but there's teams that scare me. There are definitely teams that scare me. The Knicks being one of them, we are better than the Knicks for sure, but they have a skilled big in Julius Randle that can go off for 30 at any time. Now he can also drop an egg and score 11 in a playoff game. But like those kind of things, that's why the seven-game series, it's I think it just gives a good coach longer time to figure out the offensive deficiencies that this Bulls team has. Yeah. So right now, the Bulls would be the two. They would play the seven Hornets. And you're saying... Oh, we would smoke the Hornets. Okay. <laughs> ball like versus ball. Play, I mean, if you want to play that game, like... The, the Hornets generally are a small ball team. Any small ball team the Bulls go against, we have the upper hand. Because we have, we have a big man who can stay on the floor during small ball because he's a, he can play pick and pop, and he moves his feet and plays position defense well enough. But then when you think about who comes in for him, like who comes in for Vooch? Not Tony Bradley. Yeah. It's like – Javante Green coming off the bench. It's Derek Jones. It's these long, lanky guys. That's why I think the Bulls can play small ball with anybody in the league. We are probably up there with the best teams in the league. I, maybe Golden State does it better. Yeah. But that, that's kind of it. So, any, especially any team that plays small ball in the Eastern Conference, the Bulls will smoke. I have no problem with that. And the Bulls will you'll lose games, but you'll lose games on like LaMelo ball just going off. You know, right. like things like that. It would be random things like that. As a team, the Bulls are better for sure. Yeah. So it's December, Christmas. Is there anything you'd like to see the Bulls do? If you had a Christmas wish list for the Bulls, you come down the stairs, you see under the tree, it's what? There were rumors that the Pacers are, you know, looking to unload their entire team. And I, I would love Sabanis or. Turner and it was Kobe White, it was Patrick Williams, and it was a pick, and then somebody else. So the issue with the Bulls is there's not a lot of trade chips. Right. So to get a Miles Turner who's a rim protector and he has three-point range and is probably undervalued in the league as a big, I think he's a very skilled big for the role he would need to play on this team. I think he's a great fit. Sabonis. I love Sabonis. I love watching him play. I don't think he's exactly what we would need. I don't think he plays fast enough. I think he is. I think him and Vooch wouldn't play well together because they both kind of need block touches I think Sabonis is great. Like, I don't want to, this isn't, I just think fit wise. And he's probably going to demand a bigger contract if we were trying to keep him. But if we're just going straight wish, wish list, I would like, what was Benny the Bull's cousin? I want him to come back. What was his name? <laughs> Double. Double. Benny, Benny, Benny the Bull's cousin, Double, the brown one. No, I'd really want him to come back for a game or two. The renegade. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably number one on the wish list. But I don't I don't want the Bulls to go trading Patrick Williams for a backup big. Like that's the person we'd be trading for is a backup big, right? right. Patrick Williams is a starter and potentially potentially like your future, if that's what you think he is why are we trading for a backup big, yeah. right? Kobe White, I would assume in his way that he plays is made Kobe White the most expendable person in the NBA. And I think he will, they will try to move Kobe White. I really think they will. But what are you getting for Kobe White? You're a backup big. Sounds great. Now those, ba- those bigs would be awesome to have, but I don't think the Bulls have enough capital and I don't feel like giving, I don't think Patrick Williams for Miles Turner, why it would be obviously better this season and maybe even next season. Yeah. I don't think it's great for the future of the bulls, considering we don't have a first round pick for a while. 
and we can't trade any more of our own unless we we can the only first round pick we can trade is the Cavaliers pick that we got for Lowry, which is I'm pretty sure it's a low twenties, low twenties. Yeah. Um, that's you're the only not, trade. Yeah, so you're not it's willing nice. to sacrifice like like you don't think the Bulls need to go big right now. You think longevity is what they're going to benefit this, more from. This like, is the first year that this team is put together and everybody is there. Zach Levine is the one we have to pay coming up. Right. And he's going to get a max deal. So Levine gets the max deal. DeRozan. I, what was DeRozan? Three years, four years, it was three, it was three, years. three years. The ball was four years. Caruso was three years. Vooch has two years left on his contract. Like all he, we're pretty much locked up with our core. And that's the thing about these bulls is like, Oh, we're going for it. We don't really have another option because if this team isn't good, but luckily they're playing really well. So I don't want to mortgage the future for this season. Yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't think of a scenario. It doesn't because basketball to me is not like other sports where it's like baseball, give me that reliever because we have a chance to win it this year. And we'll we'll find another second baseman that can hit 300 with no pop. I'll take that Aroldis Chapman trade all day. Exactly right. That's how baseball works. I, for me in basketball, the trade pieces like that, they're I, I personally don't like the rentals unless you're a bad team and like just taking cap and getting picks and like all those things. I don't think the rental works that well because basketball above anything else is a chemistry game. If the team doesn't play well together, they're not going to win. They're not going to win. So I don't like the short-term trade and I don't know how much is left on those big men's deals. I don't know if they're, if it's a one season, if it's two seasons, you know, the more, the longer you have their rights, the more you have to trade. So my wish list, other than Dabul, is definitely a backup big of some sort. And I think the backup big that comes to my mind, Daniel Gafford. I would love to have Gafford back. I would love to have Gafford. I got a back. notification on my phone it. that he's up to like four blocks or something, and I was like, "Oh, Gafford." <laughs> he was, yeah. He was just he was like this year. Yeah, he, I don't know. He was just like a scrub for a little bit there at the end of his Bulls tenure, if he played with the energy that he did, I don't know what his deal was. It was kind of a, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Hunter Jr. is doing nothing on Orlando. Isn't he on what Orlando? are you talking about? Wendell Carter Jr. is having a legit year. Is he? Yeah. I don't pay attention. Both of those, I, knew both of those, I, have no, I have no issue with the trades the Bulls made. Both of those players would be awesome as backup bigs on this team, but they were both needed to be dealt, I guess. Yeah. What did we get? What did we? What was the Gafford trade? Who did we get for Gafford? Um, that was Washington. Yeah. Who did we get? Oh, we got Troy Brown Jr. Yeah. And somebody uh, else. Troy Brown Jr. Wagner. Let's Wagner. Jr. Wagner. Mo Wagner. Yeah, for Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson. So we were getting rid of the Hutchinson deal and trying to – that's so oh, weird. Yeah, so Wizards got Gafford and Hutchinson. We got Troy Brown Jr., uh, Thies, and Javante Green. Oh, Thies. And, oh, it was a three-team okay. trade. That uh, makes sense. Because yeah. we, got, we got it from Boston. That makes way more sense because yeah. Gafford was definitely like, how do we make this trade go through? Oh, you have to give up Gafford. Gafford was like the piece that they wanted. And it's, I mean, he's been, he's been playing great. So yeah. the backup big for me would be Tristan, Tom, Tristan Thompson. No. <laughs> you just want to see a Kardashian in, in the Windy City. No, see, that's the thing is like, I want the Kardashians to like never come to a Bulls game because they're like bad luck, but it's true. I mean, Kendall I think, with uh, what's his face Booker and they won like a thousand games in a row. So I don't know. Okay. Are they still together? Uh, probably. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so I think Tristan Thompson is like ready for a buyout. And I think the Bulls signing a buyout person is 
better. And I don't know all of the buyout people. I just know his name has come up. And I really like the idea of that because the Bulls, the amount of small ball that we play is conducive for our backup not being that important. But when you get in the playoffs and you're going against a team that does play big, we're going to need somebody. So having a Tristan Thompson type, like we don't need him for offense. We need him for defense and rebounding, right? We need somebody who can catch a lob and can get rebounds and can do a little rim protection. And we don't need him to play 30 minutes a game. We need somebody who can play 18, 15 to 18 minutes a game. Yeah. That's all we're looking for. Tony Bradley right now is playing what, like eight minutes a game, like Mm -hmm. taking that role and expanding it a little bit. So the bulls can go bigger when we need to. That's why that for me is like, I don't even know what Tristan Thompson plays there. I just know that he can do the job and we don't need to spend a bunch of money. Like he'll take like a, probably a veteran minimum and he just got his buyout money and yeah, it can be gone at the end. Man away on the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> yeah. And we can, we can go to the, we can go back the, the year at the end of the year and actually pick up a, a viable big and we'll have, that's the other thing is like, we'll still have Patrick Williams next year and Tristan Thompson can be gone. And then we have some size and another year of development from a young kid. So that's why I don't just, again, I, I think Tristan Thompson would be a good fit. Say what you want about all the off the court stuff and the distractions that would come with them. I don't care about that, but that type of somebody who's going to get bought a big, that's going to get bought out who brings a little veteran leadership and still has the ability to rebound the ball because the reason the bulls rebound the way they do is because Lonzo ball Caruso are good rebounding guards and Levine and DeRozan. I wouldn't call them good rebounding guards or forwards, whatever the heck they play, but they're not bad either. Like they're, they're, they're not in there scrapping for rebounds, but we have rebounding guards that crash and they rebound and they help. Vooch, we don't have the guy that just will just scoop up all the rebounds. Vooch is obviously a good rebounder. He's a big seven-footer and when they're playing small lineups typically. So he gets rebounds. I'm not saying he doesn't, but for the Bulls, I wouldn't call them a good rebounding team other than we have really good rebounding guards who help out the bigs. Yeah. So somebody like that is definitely the top of my wish list. I mean, the Bull, number one, obviously. The Bull. Tristan Thompson type, so a backup big at like a low price that we can either keep or get rid of at the end of the year. And then as far as guard depth, I just want the health, like absolute health when it comes playoff time. Yeah. When I thought about this question, like, you know, obviously a a backup big is something that I think they're going to need down the line. I think they can survive for now. I think that's going to be, um, something that they're definitely going to have to look into at the trade deadline. But again, they don't have a lot of trade chips. So my thing was always like, I'm very interested to see when this team is fully healthy, like what they've been able to accomplish, you know, banged up is amazing to me. So them at full strength down the stretch, that's really all I can kind of hope for because if they're kind of already putting it together, not healthy, it's like them at full strength is going to be a terror. And this is the first time in a while that I'm like, like the bulls are like good. Like, I turn on a Bulls game and I'm like, oh, like I want to watch this game. I'm not like passively like watching this in the corner, like, oh, down by 18. It's like, oh, now they made it to single digits. Oh, well, okay. Now they're back down by 12. And now I can like actually watch. And even if they are down by 12, I'm like, okay, 12's not going to last. There's too many good scorers on this team that they're going to get blown out many games. So, yeah, absolutely. I think a good. I th- okay, so health, yeah, this team healthy. The bull. The bull. Um, I think that we're on pace for everybody to be, like, immune from all variants of COVID pretty soon because, like, yeah, our whole starting lineup will have COVID at some point. Yeah. We only have two left. Oh, wait, Levine got COVID last year. He probably is. He's still immune. Right? The booster bull. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> I think we got that down. They're getting sick down the line and then they're going to be super bowls 
in like March. Yeah. Buddy. Yeah. The issue is uh, just the one at a time here. Yeah. Just keep doing it one at a time. I know we have three people out right now. Right. Yeah. But, uh, oh, including Stacy King. What the heck? Yeah, that's true. I, I read it on, on Twitter. Someone's like, Stace, are you, uh, are you also in protocols? And he's like, yeah, man, but I'm still watching from home. <laughs> They let it get to my man, Stacy King. <laughs> Give me the hot sauce. That is your Christmas list. Yeah, I think I'm good with that. I'm trying to think of anything else. Yeah. I mean, as long as we're asking for things, I would like, I'm trying to think individually. I would like Kobe White to come back and play out of his mind so that we can trade him for something. Smart. Straight up. So I would like that. I would like Javante Green to grow probably three inches. So he goes from six four to six seven. I think that would really help the Bulls. Yeah. Get um, <laughs> I would like Zach Levine to keep realizing that nobody can stop him when he drives to the basket and that opens up his three-point shot instead of taking contested threes. Right. I would like Rosen to hit something other than a corner three every once in a while. That's fair. Not that he needs it. It's just nice that to somebody have to be aware of it. Same thing with Zach. It's just nice to have that one more thing. I would like. Hmm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to go deep into the bench right now. <laughs> I would like uh, Samanovic to like learn how to play NBA basketball because he's a seven footer a young seven footer who just sits on our bench because he doesn't know defensive concepts and is too soft for the NBA. So, you know, if he could get his stuff together, that would kind of be beneficial to the bulls right now. Yeah. And I kind of like watching uh, dots in play. So I want him to get a little garbage time minutes every once in a while. It's a little guy running fast out there. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't like that? Yeah. And you know what? Have a Cristiano Felicio night. Have a Cristiano Felicio night. He Felice the league out of 32, the Bulls out of 32 million. (laughs) The human gummy bear, Cristiano. I love, I love how many, how many people in the world called him Feliciano. (laughs) I was watching, I remember like watching a summer league game and they, the whole time they referred to him as Feliciano. And I'm like, what are you, first off, what are you reading? <laughs> and second off, this poor man gets called by something that's not even close to his actual name. You're adding like three letters. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Cristiano Felicio Knight goes right behind, bring back the bull. And where he gives back $32 million. <laughs> he writes a no, don't, let him, don't let him, don't make him give back all the 32. How about let's take 20 back? 20? You think he just owes us 20 million dollars? <laughs> I owes, I don't know, it's tricky language around there. I would say Cristiano Felicio at one point was a legitimate Bulls prospect. What day? His first year. The whole year? His first, year, first, year. His first year, he could catch the ball on a pick and roll and actually somewhat finish around the basket or get fouled. And he played that game pretty well. So you're saying 8 million, the rest he has to give back. Yeah. 8 million feels fair. I would never want to pay him 8 million, even what he turned out to be, but on the promise of what he was going to be 8 million for three, four years. Sounds all right. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to sell it short. I was not, I there was a point when, when you were talking about the Bulls and it was like, who has the most potential on the team? Felicio was on that list for a very, 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 like maybe a month, month, two months max. But it was there. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I was totally expecting this. I was surprised when he got 32. You had to pay someone. There's a, there's a floor in the NBA. And having Felicio on your bench while you're – Shaq Harrison. I did it. Shaq Harrison. <laughs> I worked playing, my way around. <laughs> when you're playing Shaq Harrison as a starter on your team, it's like, yeah, you need somebody to eat some salary. There's a floor. Yeah. Could have been us. I mean, $8 million. I can go 0 for 10 <laughs> for 8 mil. Yeah, buddy. 
I could pass the ball to somebody. No, you can't. I've seen you play basketball. That's not true. You I'm, think I'm, you could get it? I, I have let, to at least be a decent passer. <laughs> I would say you would struggle to get a pass off in the NBA. Well, yeah. I mean, how much prep time are you giving me? Zero? What do you need prep time to pass a ball, dude? <laughs> pass fakes. These are athletes. I know that's what they I'm saying. They paid my man Felicio eight million dollars. You think they won't see my white ass coming? It's true. Whatever. You know what? We're getting heated, so let's get hotter. How about a second installment of hype? Oh, no, sorry. Hey, <laughs> redo, redo. Start over. Start over. All right. We're no. getting heated, but let's get hotter. Uh, how about a second installment of hate hype? All right. So we're talking about Christmas. What is your take on Christmas music? Hate it, hype it, just think it's all right. Christmas music is, is hype all the time. And I will argue this embarrassing to the death. I'm glad you disagree. There are good Christmas songs. Christmas music as a genre, terrible. All time, all time great. It, it could, out of music genres, yeah, genres, yes. It probably goes like in my top five for sure. What? Now you're just saying things. I everyone, I, uh, you know. Is this, are, are we, are we, uh, we got to episode just, 19 where we kill each other. <laughs> this is just between me and you, right? Nobody's going to hear this because I'm going to admit something. Okay. Every once in a while, maybe, <laughs> maybe March, July, could be May, doesn't matter. Just a, a very I'll, saint or a very faint. I'll be, I'll be on a drive. Like, what's that, man? Nothing. I'll be on a drive. I've gone through all the podcasts I listened to, not really feeling some music, and I'll kick on a little Christmas music, you know? You're like, you know, it's still there. It's still there. We don't have to burn ourselves out one month of the year. You know, we can spread it out every once in a while. Give myself a little Christmas in July, you know? Just driving. It happens. There are maybe 10 Christmas songs sung by 5,000 different people. 10 good Christmas songs. The rest are not good. Do you have a current, like current artist, either a rendition of a Christmas song or their own like new Christmas song? Current? Yeah. Like like Kelly Clarkson's Christmas album, Michael Buble, or Bubbly, if you're from that part of town. I mean, the current is the issue, right? I think everybody knows you don't you don't touch that that gold. Well, that's what I'm saying. After Wham got in the game, everybody else had to quit. Uh, well, yeah, because there's n- nothing else the entire music industry could do. Last Christmas. Yeah, I mean that's a bop. I mean, I'm not I'm not arguing that there isn't Christmas songs that rock. I'm just saying the whole genre as a whole. Overrated. And that's that. And you're telling me that it isn't overrated? I could see playing like White Christmas, like on a drive. And it's like, yeah, man, like, like this makes me feel good. You're not blasting Jingle Bells in April. Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus is coming to town. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, shoot. I think so. The boss. You can tell me that, that that one doesn't slap you around. It does. Wait, wait. There it's are hype for me. Hype, hype for me. What was it for you? Are you hate? Are you all right? See, there's good Christmas songs. No, 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 no. no. As a whole, not, you do not get to just do this. I would like an answer before you make your point. I don't hate it. I think it's all right. That's why we put that category there for these kind of things, okay? Yeah, I know, but but it, the, but you're incorrect. I'm sorry. It is hype. I've never been wrong in my entire life 
on my own podcast. <laughs> I just edit all the parts where everybody says something smarter. I think you're going to get some uh, feedback on that because I'm pretty sure we catch you. Remember when you called Kanye changed his name to Yi? Remember that one? That was on the podcast. Oh, and I couldn't figure out why. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, and don't you think it's Ye and not Yi? Kanye. Ooh. <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. So, hype. I'm all right. Let me give you guys a little secret. All, all the listeners out there, this is how you enjoy Christmas music. Muted. Halloween rolls around. There's the was it the light? The light starts playing Christmas music. Yeah. November first. Just tune it on. You know, get a little little taste in November and be like, okay, this is what I have to look forward to. Maybe the one day. Why Thanksgiving exists is to keep Mariah Carey like at bay for a month. <laughs> That's the whole, nope. whole reason. That's what their Wikipedia page says. Mariah Carey listed under accomplishments. It says holds the line. <laughs> okay. First week of November, give a little self a little taste. Then don't turn it on until December. And even you can even wait to the second week of December. And then you can just jam or all the way. Play it like the week of Christmas, nonstop. There's no reason why a whole radio station plays Christmas music for a month and a half. Um, I would disagree with that. You're insane. If people didn't just if rock they out. White Christmas, every single song, I would listen to The Light. Why is White Christmas your song? We talk about that. I mean, how's that not just like... I love it. Get you in the mood. I love it. I mean, you're talking to the right person if you want to get somebody in your corner on a Christmas song. But you're um, also talking from somebody who hasn't experienced the Jonas Brothers Christmas song blasting nonstop in your house. <laughs> Which again, uh, no Joe Bro slander in this house. I've seen him twice, both at my suggestion. <laughs> so don't think for a second that I'm uh, that I'm not a Joe Bro. I am. It's just that one Christmas song. You do like to refer to yourself life. as you do refer to yourself as the bonus Jonas more often than I'd like to admit. Probably more than Frankie you, Jonas does. Yeah. You, yeah, you being my best friend, you've said it way too many times. It's I've had to really I'm kick, almost kick. positive I came up with it. I'm not sure if we could fact check that, but I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure we can bonus Jonas before anybody else. For those of you who don't know about for this podcast, we have a great R&D team that could get to the bottom of that. No problem for us. If you were the first person to do it. Uh, it's my podcast. I say that it is. <laughs> yeah. And it was. You use your burner Twitter account to just tweet at yourself and be like, yep. Hey, <laughs> my stupid Twitter account has gotten plenty of famous people to respond. Formerly ESPN's Katie Nolan. Mina Kimes, I'm pretty sure is about two seconds away from blocking. Them. I was just They're about to like say- some of my tweets. I was going to say the name, the three, the three women of ESPN that tweet at you that you always bring up. I was going to say it before you did. I'm sorry. I missed my window. That's fine. I also got a signed picture from the Chicago Wolves because I begged them on Twitter. Um, Eastern Illinois, shout out their athletics department. They sent me a picture of uh, Billy the Panther signed. Yeah. If you bother people enough, you'll get stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I got and a podcast. That is how you got your wife. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting you to say that you hated Christmas music, but that you're adamant that it can be played at any point is. No, no, okay. You know, just like, you know, you turn it on a little bit, boom, boom. Yeah, it's top five genres. You mean tell me you wouldn't listen to Dominic the Donkey in July? Well, absolutely, I would. Like I said. Oh, see, the truth comes out. There's good Christmas songs. You're telling me right now, Spotify playlist, 100 best Christmas songs. You put it on shuffle. Top five songs that that play, you're saying you like three of them? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'm taking those odds. What if it's like Kelly Clarkson's like Under the Mistletoe album, which you're not even like, I don't even know if you're in that headspace to. Uh, You know, my first concert was Kelly Clarkson. I'm a big Clarker. Is that what they call them? (laughs) Clarker. (laughs) K Clarker. (laughs) I'm a big Clark. Okay. <laughs> I'm a big Clark. Son of Clark. 
So don't even tell me about under the mistletoe, okay? Because clearly I'm not Googling it right now to find out what my favorite song on that album was. I mean, that that's not something I would do. Well, there is a good Kelly Clarkson Christmas song. I don't know what it's called, but is it? Well, you didn't tell me it was Brent Eldridge and Kelly Clarkson. Whoa. E big oof. (laughs) Is it an album or is it just a song? I thought she had a Christmas album. I mean, the album is When Christmas Comes Around. Oh. I mean. I mean to tell me number six on that album glow isn't a banger glow i don't know i'm curious of what it's about i kind of want to do a listen this might be homework for all of our listeners go ahead and type in glow on spotify you know what let's get glow on spotify's top trending <laughs> christmas songs let's see what our following can do we got that kind of power yet um i think so i mean we're on Spotify. wow i think we have some pull uh, under the mistletoe is number 13 on that album. That's how you know. It's probably not a great song. Oh, wow. The singles are usually uh, two, three, or four. Yep. It's normally top of the list there. We got three. I think there's three singles. Yeah, Dominic the Donkey is obviously a bop. There's no no walking back from that. (laughs) And Christmas music altogether, it's just all right. And it can't be a part of your personality. You need to cut it off. I don't think it is a part of my personality. I didn't say it was a part of your personality. A cheerful, joyful personality. Made it to episode 19 and we finally argued. (laughs) Can I do another honest thing here? I listen to Christmas music all day today in PE. Those of you who don't know, I'm a PE teacher. Just bopping along all day. December 8th. So that's fine. Oh, yeah. Wait. If they came up with a Thanksgiving genre, not only do I not want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I think, okay, off the top of your head, which holiday should have music genre? other than Christmas? Yeah, yeah. I mean, are we counting love songs as Valentine's Day? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm thinking Flag Day could come up with some real hot tracks. Bangers. Yeah, real. I think so. Um. Tell me when to listen to a Fourth of July playlist. Anything? Well, Fourth of July—that's a playlist. That's not a. Is that? Oh, sorry. You tell me a playlist of Fourth of July themed songs wouldn't get the job done for you. Are you not proud to be an American? I mean, you just at least you know you're free. Credence Clearwater Revival. Just any of that, and I'm already like beer in hand. It's light beer. I know what I'm about. (laughs) I'm beer in hand. Listen, if we're talking Halloween music, it's Monster Mash, and then it's um, Somebody Watching Me by Rockwell and Michael Jackson. And then any other song is trash. Ghostbusters theme song? Three good songs. (laughs) You can do more than that for Halloween. So Halloween, is that your answer, final answer? That already has kind of a genre. Yeah, but I mean... Monster Mash! Yeah, well, that's a great song. I could listen to Monster Mash in July. I think we're missing Halloween. Some Christmas songs in July. But Christmas songs in... I feel like your tune is awfully changing. If you can admit to listening to a song in July, I think you need to bump it up from all right. All right. right. I said when it becomes part of your personality and it's overplayed and there isn't that many good songs. Christmas music as a genre blows, but there are good Christmas songs. All right. I'm not going to fight with you anymore on this because it's clear you're not thinking straight. Oh, this is episode one of a Trivial Agreements. It, it's because we're in the thick of things here for Christmas music. You're, you're having a rough time. Let's revisit this one. Write this down. <laughs> Put a note, a reminder in your phone. You want more bodies on this? I don't want Casey. I want, no, no, no. <laughs> I want when we next year, July, when we're in the heat of uh, baseball season and there's nothing else to talk about. Let's revisit this topic and see if you would want to listen to some song and see if I sing along because I will. I want you. No, I think we're going to. No, this is what we're going to do in our July episode. We're going to uh, put on a little Kelly Clarkson glow and just see what that really does for you. I won't do anything for me. 
That's where you're listening to a few songs off that album. Okay. I've only listened to the album 17 times. Wait, didn't we didn't we just agree that that was going to be the theme song for our the podcast from now on? No. It was between White Christmas, Dominic the Donkey, or obviously I'm joking, it's Wham. Last Christmas. Yeah, that's a bop. But the genre itself is garbage. And I'm not sorry about it. With all the lights on the trees, even Christmas can't complete compete with your glow. That line, are you kidding me? Robert Frost. Great. Is that Bobby Frost? Nothing has changed. I still wish you could be wrapped in my arms, spending Christmas with me. It's a little on the nose. It gets to be cold. It gets cold. (laughs) It gets cold when I notice the most is when I notice the most. With all the lights on the tree, even Christmas can't compete with your glow. You're making Christmas sexual. This is not like even rhyme. I need to hear this song because reading the lyrics of this song, it's like, whoa. You've just exposed yourself as a Christmas music denier. (laughs) Did you know? Did you know? Christmas can't compete with your glow. Glow. (laughs) Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? Glow. <laughs> Did you know? Did you know? Just so you know. Oh my God, that's lyrical genius. Are you kidding me? Who wrote, who wrote that? All the members of Queen? Let's see if they get write, writing credits here. It might be you. Low lyrics. Songs from My Shrink. Collative sound. That, that explains it. Kelly Clarkson. Song, shrink oh, we got songwriters. We got songwriters. See if we recognize any of these. Nope, just Kelly Clarkson. Haley Warner, you big Haley Warner fan? Oh, I thought you were saying Kelly Clarkson was the only writer on there, and I was like, she gave herself full credit. She wanted her no. only. Floyd Nathaniel Hills is number one on it. Oh, my boy Floyd! I didn't know he was on that track. Yeah, that slaps when he does the, his track. All his tracks slap. Floyd, Flo, <laughs> everybody knows. Yeah. All right, all of the listeners, we got homework. Read the lyrics to glow. (laughs) Read them. Read them and really let them sink in. Yeah. Now that I've got you in the in a frosty mood, I'm gonna do ten Christmas questions and then get the H E double hockey sticks out of here. Yeah, I think it's that time. All right. Lay them on me. Ten questions. If you get one wrong, I cut the podcast short. I like pressure. Pressure's a constant. Let's do it. Instead of a white Christmas, Elvis sings he's going to have a sadder holiday in this 1964 hit. Oh, blue Christmas without you. Spot on impression. I don't care what anybody says. Died on the toilet. You're correct. Which famous pop singer has been crowned the queen of Christmas? Is that... Is that uh, Nick, Nick, Cannon, Nick Cannon's ex-wife? Yeah. One of his baby mamas. He has a thousand kids. <laughs> he does not. He has like 10. Mariah Carey, final answer. Correct. In Japan, it has become a popular tradition to eat what American fast food on Christmas? Ooh. American fast food in Japan. Mm-hmm. Popular tradition, eat what American fast food on Christmas? I mean, I just, I really don't. I'm trying to think what, I think like McDonald's is the only brand that I feel like is global enough to be the answer. Is that the answer? You're just completely disrespecting the Colonel. <laughs> it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah, no, that was straight disrespect because that does make sense. Uh, that that animal has his Kentucky Fried Fingers and everything. <laughs> All right, question four. Which brand was the first company to use Santa Claus in its advertising? Which brand? Yeah. It was in the 60s. I yeah, it feels right. 60s feels right. What is a popular, like, 1960s brand oh it's like coke you'd be correct coca-cola coca-cola what b 
beloved Christmas drink is also referred to as milk punch. <laughs> milk punch? <Yeah. laughs> Who in their right mind? Is it eggnog? It is eggnog. <laughs> Who in their right mind calls it milk punch? Hey, hey, slide me over one of those milk punches. What hey, Donnie, you got a milk punch for me, bro? You made eggnog? Hey. I'm not in the mood for nah. Give me some milk punch. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, what are the names of Santa's nine reindeers? Because we don't discriminate in this podcast. Does that mean that means Rudolph is in there? How dare you? Of course he is. That's the ninth, right? We're not talking all of the or other. Comet. We're talking Comet. <laughs> or Chet. You know Dasher and Dancer, Prancer, Vixen. Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen. But do you recall? Most famous reindeer of them all. I, to be honest, there's no North chance Christmas I could have done that. Chat. If Christmas music wasn't hype, there's no chance I would have done that. If Christmas music wasn't all right, they would have included uh, Chet from the popular movie Santa Claus 2. <laughs> so until they changed the words to the song, I'm my opinion remains all right. We're a pro Chet podcast. Absolutely, except for Chet Hanks. <laughs> he is oh, yeah. notoriously Ooh. banned. <laughs> <laughs> we are pro Chet Rudolph, anti Chet Hanks. Yes. In the movie Home Alone, where are the McAllisters going on vacation when they leave Kevin behind? Uh, which one? The first one, Home Alone. I'm, I'm uh, very much a Home Alone 2 Lost New York fan myself, and the correct answer to that is Florida. Wow. But it's the original Home Alone. So uh, I stand by my statement. Uh, that would be Paris, France. Naturally, Home Alone 2 Lost New York is a better film, and I refuse to acknowledge the first one. Yeah, where he completely just disregards that the pigeon lady doesn't have a home, and he's like, well, I'm going to go back to my million-dollar mansion. Sorry, pigeon lady. Disrespectful. And churlish. Did I just blow your mind? Yeah, he completely leaves that woman dirty and in that park. He gives her a turtle dove. (laughs) And then she goes on Antiques Roadshow and finds out it's worth $7 billion. Two turtle doves. What was the real name of the character Tim Allen plays in the Santa Claus? Scott Calvin. Let's go. (laughs) You thought I wasn't getting that one. That one came to me. Bam. Do you know why I remember that? Because he had SC on his pajamas. And he also says his name is Scott Calvin. Scott Calvin. That's how you know. And also an all-time Christmas movie. Uh, So, But bears in comparison do... Can't stress Home enough. Santa Claus 2. Home Alone 2 lost. Home Alone 2 lost. Steals the show. But I digress. How do you say Merry Christmas in Espanol? Feliz Navidad. Gesundheit. Buddy the Elf sticks to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corn, and... Maple syrup. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I thought you were going to have me name all four, and I was really struggling with that one. Candy. I wouldn't have gotten candy canes, I don't think. Candy corn? You would have gotten candy corn over candy cane? No way. Maybe I, maybe I would have missed candy cane and candy corn. I would have said candy. Candy maple syrup, and obviously. I forgot about it. And then spaghetti and maple syrup. Uh, yeah. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions correct. What? Which one did I get wrong? Paris. No, I totally changed the question to the right question. Eight and a half. All right, fair. I am the decider. (laughs) No, I'm telling you. The right question. Home Alone 2, Lost New York, quality film. Home Alone 1, just all right. Home Alone, great movie. Santa Claus, okay movie. Santa Claus 2, better movie. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, okay movie. This is not okay. And for the record, I have no idea what I said. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) So if you tried to fight me on it, 
I have no recollection this, of this any was, of This was your version of a Matthew McConaughey. What car does he do? Buick commercial? No. Lincoln. Lincoln. <laughs> this is where you're just rambling and somebody's recording and he couldn't repeat a single word he said. You feel that? That's the heart of a lie. <laughs> and you listing a Christmas movie sequels in order, it really hits the same for me. Well, nothing's as garbage as Santa Claus 3, uh, the one with Jack Frost. That one. Uh, I would say that one shits. is great. Wow, this is... Martin Short at his finest. That's he, who it is, right? He was a good casting for Jack Frost. The movie concept was just not good. Santa Claus 2 is pretty good. It is. I know. That's why I said it. I remember that. I think I'm pretty sure Mrs. Claus and Santa Claus 3 is totally brainwashed, though. We talk about that. Uh, we could talk about that on episode 20. <laughs> in Santa Claus 2, she was like not having it by Santa Claus 3. She's brainwashed. Just saying. You're not wrong. Maybe she uh, fell in love with the robot Santa. That's what they don't tell you. It's what happens in between two and three. Mm-hmm. Open your eyes. Yep. This is really in-depth, and I guarantee nobody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> Got Calvin. Got Calvin for the win. Don't go on the roof. That's all we have for episode 19. Our podcast can legally drink in Canada, I think. I didn't check. Uh, if you're in the Christmas spirit, you can follow us on our official Instagram account, at Trivial Arguments, if you haven't already. Uh, unless you're a ho-ho-ho, nailed it. You can follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And even if you are a ho-ho-ho, you can follow us too. We don't discriminate here. Uh, next week, we have lined up either a Christmas movie bracket or a Christmas song bracket. Yikes. And then the following week, we're going to do a Trivial Arguments Christmas party. So plenty of fun to be had in December. Matt, do you have any uh, last words either about the Bulls or about the terrible genre you enjoy playing? Um, Bluegrass? I wasn't expecting this. Normie, don't let me talk at the end. So um, that's all we have. <laughs> uh, get out there, listen to some Christmas music, watch the Bulls, maybe do them both at the same time. Get weird with it. Nice. Print out the lyrics for Kelly Clarkson's Glow. Oh, yeah. Do your homework before bed. Do your homework. Glow. Let me just, you can end the podcast anytime. I'm just going to read some lyrics as we go. Maybe you can fade me out. Did you know? Did you know? Christmas can't be your glow. glow. Become alive and. Did you know? Did you know? Baby, did you know? I can you know? bring you to a kid from know? a rose on a Ooh.